Uh, Malcolm Holmline is with us. It is the weekly update here at JM and the Well, there's uh, no doubt what the uh, number one story of the week is for us in the New York area, Malcolm, and that is the terrorist attack that took place just uh, about a mile from here uh, earlier this week on the west, lower west side of Manhattan, very close to the uh, World Trade Center area. Uh, what, what do we know? I know that the, the, there have been a lot of headlines, a lot of quotes, a lot of analysis. From your perspective, what do we know about this terrorist and, uh, and, and, and who he followed and what he was trying to accomplish this past week? Well, the truth is we know still very little. And, you know, you saw the immediate and automatic response of so many literally before there was any possibility of, of knowing conclusively that he was a lone wolf or not a lone wolf. That uh, every time that that uh, is said, we find out, in fact, that uh, that there were other people involved, that there were uh, that he had some connections. Uh, and I think we'll we'll find out much more as time goes on. I think the uh, policeman who, who stopped him uh, was indeed a hero and uh, stopped the carnage from being much worse. And you could you see that he has no Harati has no uh, regrets about what he did. Quite the opposite, he's. He's boasting it and saying he regrets he didn't kill more people. This is the same thing we hear from many of the terrorists in Israel. And we have to remember where the truck rammings, you know, when when they happened in Israel, it got a ho-hum from the world. And now we've seen it in Nice, in Germany, in England, in France, elsewhere, that, uh, uh, you know, Israel may be the first, but it's never the last. And the the refusal to confront this and, you know, uh, that he shouted Allah Akbar, that is not insignificant. And I'm, I don't know that he was, you know, again tied to anything beyond uh, what we know right now, or or his, uh, you know, the pattern of his movements. Right. Also, where he moved from city to city, including Patterson, where we've had problems before. Whether he was following someone's instructions or not, don't you resent the term "lone wolf" because of what we now know in terms of his indoctrination, the videos found on his phone, uh, the photos, and the uh, and different things found uh, in the truck itself. Uh, and of course, the fact that he's you know demanding they fly the ISIS flag in his hospital room, which took a I guess a certain level of nerve. Uh, don't you resent the term "lone wolf" when you hear about the influence he's had from all these different angles? I resent it because historically it, it doesn't prove to be true. Again, he doesn't have to be part of of a, directly part of a cell, but every one of them is inspired and motivated whether on the internet in a mosque in a, by other individuals, uh, many times training. Everybody should just hold back judgment, at, at, at least until you've had a chance to investigate him. Uh, there's a second person of interest, I think, that they that they have now in custody. So, yes, when I hear the, the lone uh, wolf thing, I, I, I cringe because it, it also distorts. And I hope that the law enforcement and the New York police are certainly the best equipped in the country and together with the joint task forces to, to deal with these issues. And, you know, they have, about, I think, a thousand policemen assigned to counterterrorism. It's, it's truly a remarkable um, group of people and, and uh, commitment that uh, New York makes to, to the security of, our, of the citizens. But you undermine that, I think, when people rush to judgment in, 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 and, and not devote the resources to looking at where he came from. Uh, he, he, he drove for more than a mile. Uh, knowing what you know about Israel and the way people, security forces, in many cases, citizens who are carrying weapons, um, authorized, of course, uh, the way they react, uh, one would suspect that in a place like Israel, uh, he would have been stopped a lot earlier than, you know, more than one mile on his ride. 
Well, it depends because, you know, if you go into a semi-rural or you go into a, a highway somewhere and, and start killing people or mowing down and crashing into cars and things, it, it doesn't, you know, people don't have time to react. They're not prepared for it. And therefore, you can do a lot of damage before you get stopped. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and you know that uh, among the people killed, somebody who's being... Um uh, classified as a, uh, as a as a prominent member of the Jewish community down in Argentina. Do you know anything more about um, uh, about uh, the victims of the attack? We know that it was a group of people who went to school to public school thirty years ago, went, uh, graduated thirty years ago, and made a pledge at the time that they would come together and do something—a big celebration. And and this uh, gentleman uh, helped some of those who couldn't afford to go. He un- helped Andretti. He was a businessman in Buenos Aires, uh, very beloved from all that I've heard. And the other um, five others, five from that group were, were killed, and another a person from Belgium. Um, but the thing that it seems to uh, I don't know amongst the wounded yet. We haven't gotten right. full accounting. I mean, it's not that we haven't seen this before, you know, from other areas of the world that are directly affected, but, uh, I mean, the Buenos Aires community must be... I completely devastated. I mean, you're talking about you know five five older people who, uh, you know, well the I mean, city, yeah, they're, they're yeah, not I mean, the were not Jewish. Uh, no, I understand. Yeah, I'm not. I'm but, not talking about the Jewish for, communities in general. The whole the story itself, yes, yeah. and, and Buenos Aires, you know, has had a long history of right. of being victimized by by terrorists and uh, the Jewish community. Certainly, the Amia bombing, the bombing of the yeah. um, Israeli embassy, other incidents. So. For, for them, yes. It's now, a, now, the New York City um, NYPD terror unit, whatever the official name is, they they spoke about some of the preparations or some of the um, uh, precautions that are taken uh, with these types of attacks in mind. For instance, I learned this week, which I was glad to hear, uh, that they literally have visited hundreds, and they use that uh, number, hundreds of truck rental places to brief truck renters about what they should be looking for among those who rent trucks and when to when to alert the authorities. I mean, I know that the NYPD and the you know the terror units are at a certain level of preparedness, but this this I thought was quite significant, frankly. Um, I and, and by the way, and, and on the flip side, if they're doing that, I don't know how much more they can do to prevent these types of attacks. I sit here just wondering, you know, will there be more? There are a lot of places in New York City, by the way. Where God forbid, you know, more people can be killed at once, and which are much busier, and many of them with easier access than a bike route on West Street. So, right, and the so, I mean, there are a lot of points that you raised. One is that I hope the federal government and others will give the resources to and and to pursue leads more seriously to to uh, learn the lessons each time and apply them. And too often, you know, we restrict ourselves when you can't monitor what goes on in certain places when, you know, intelligence gathering, which is such an important part of this, is, is crippled or, or limited. It makes uh, the police, the FBI, a lot less uh, effective. One, two, about the truck rental, it's true that they uh, go and they try to alert people what to look for. But in, in many cases, somebody else will rent a truck. Right. And then this guy takes it and drives it into, you know, into this kind of a, uh, uses it for this kind of an attack. And also, if somebody, they can go and habituate themselves to a place so that they become accustomed to seeing them. So they'll rent it once, twice, three times. 
And by the third time, nobody's looking to know this guy already. Right. And um, so there are a lot of ways to bypass the, the security systems and the, the whatever background checks uh, people can engage in. But the truck rental people, clearly, they don't have the authority, law enforcement authority, or anything else to... To, to do go beyond that, right? But just the fact that they're made aware of what to look for and you know encouraged to you know to make a phone call at specific times or with specific customers that that was you know that 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 was somewhat comforting, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, Al Tiftach Pet. I'm sure most people out there don't want me to even say it publicly, but but aren't you shocked that there aren't more coordinated attacks? I mean, God forbid you talk about three, four different people, you know, renting trucks on the same day. You're talking about uh, you know p- potential for complete chaos. We always have that potential, and, and uh, you know, many more events, and I've tried to report on it periodically, uh, are prevented here in Israel, right. elsewhere in Europe, uh, than take place. That's why you would still laud the NYPD despite the week they had. I would laud them, yes, because, they're, uh, 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 you, again, people don't know, and nobody advertises when right. something doesn't happen, and uh, prevent is prevented, but... Uh, I know that in Israel, for instance, dozens of attacks were prevented. So when people are critical, when something does take place, you've had bus, you know, car rammings and truck rammings at bus stations. So they take and they learn the lessons. They put up poles, they put up cameras, they uh, they even have drones in some places to try to keep an eye out for you know for potential incidents. Uh, we learn each time they're putting up. The balusters, those cement blocks on many places along the highway on the west side, you learn each time, and each time you hope that it will prevent. I mean, look this week, the incident with the tunnel coming from Gaza uh, into Israel. question you always ask me about, why they don't have the technology, why they don't have the ability somehow to stop it. And you see that there was a dual track here. One was that Israel is building this underground barrier, cement, very thick, which uh, uh, will releases liquid cement if a tunnel is being built around underneath it or around it. It, it even can detect tunnels underneath it uh, as go underneath. And second, that they have this new system of sensors which can detect, you know, the tunnels. They knew about it for a while. But it, had, it never came to an exit point. This tunnel did not have an exit point in Israel, but they destroyed it at a time when they want, when Israel thought it was most important and propitious, and as you know, they caught them off guard, and uh, there are bodies inside, but this was inside Israel. Uh, it had been detected, they monitored it, and then uh, struck when they decided it was most propitious. Yeah. Uh, let's say you were standing on stage in a conversation and or debate with Linda Sarsour. Most people in this audience know who she is. And she says to you what she tweeted this week after the account. Every believing Muslim says Allahu Akbar every day during prayers. We cannot criminalize God is great. Prosecute the criminal, not a faith. What would be the appropriate response? Nobody is interested in in criminalizing the faith. Uh, The fact that that most terrorists are Muslims, or a good percentage of them uh, are, are in fact, Muslims, is a reality. Uh, So the premise of your question, though, is impossible because I would not appear on a stage with Linda Sassour. <laughs> I think that's one. Two, uh, um, you know, she has to be held to account. She's lionized. She's uh, respected when, in fact, the track record is very clear. And uh, I agree that we should not condemn everybody and every faith for everything that somebody does or any ethnic group or anything else that, that you know, that somebody seeks to identify or discriminate against. But 
you know, the, the importance is, and, and we saw it this time, many members of the Muslim community speaking out against the, the attack, condemning it, whatever, even even Iran issued a statement what? Uh, wow. about it. Wow. So, you know, the the principle, I think, is important that, that people um, use judgment, good judgment, and, and care in, in how they react. But the reality is also important. Yeah, speaking of care, when care, C-A-I-R, can, mm-hmm. condemns it, do you roll your eyes or you are happy with what might be some sincerity? I'm not happy. I, I think it's important for them and for the community to be the ones who, who stand up and, and speak out against these kind of actions and to root out, because they know better than anyone where there is an imam who preaches hate <coughs> or incites, where there are broadcasts, where there are information. They may not know everything and everybody, but... Uh, or even this individual, um, I don't know how many of his neighbors uh, knew much about him, and often they say they're loners, but in fact, somebody knows something. And it's really imperative that that information be given as, in advance to the police before you have uh, an attack. By the way, I, I just have to add that uh, <laughs> I'm watching some of the national news on the night of the attack, and uh, they have the terror experts coming on listing for everybody, where truck rammings have taken place in the past. You mentioned some of them, you know, Spain, France, England. They didn't mention Israel. They don't mention Israel. I mean, could you imagine? I, I heard the, the same thing. The, 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 birth, the birthplace of car rammings, you know, where, where we unfortunately can visualize the videos we've seen of trucks going through crowds of soldiers and others and innocent people in Israel. I'm not a word of it. That is true. Uh, by the way, are you uh, speaking of those who make outrageous statements? Because we were just speaking about Linda. Linda no, I did not make any. No, not you. Oh, okay. And I, you, and you were I, speaking about. And I know some. <laughs> I know some. <laughs> and I know sometimes you don't like to be put on the spot regarding you know quote unquote local stuff, which I totally get. But this effort to uh, you know this effort against the uh, professor at Princeton, Michael uh, Shikandis, who's made outrageous Facebook posts, uh, it, it, most agree. Uh, that they are blatantly anti-Semitic. Uh, should we participate in an effort to get them ousted from Rutgers? I, I think it's regrettable that we need to think about whether there has to be an effort to get him out. When I think if he had posted similar things about other ethnic or religious groups, there would not have been a question. And when people say Jews are hypersensitive or Jews, you know, of anti-Semitism, you know, that they wouldn't do the same to others. Well, look at what he's done and that there is even a question that he should remain in a teaching position is, to me, the, the astounding thing. Excellent. Well said. Yesterday was Balfour Day. We spent a lot of time. Oh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app, where we welcome all your comments. I'm sure Malcolm joins me in reminding everybody that Tuesday is election day. No matter where you are in the United States, it is important to get out and uh, and vote. Uh, they pay careful attention to see which communities in this country vote. If you're not familiar with that, familiarize yourself with it. And if you know of youngsters out there who have just turned 18 or who are ambivalent when it comes to the voting process, encourage them to get out there this coming Tuesday and have their voice heard. Uh, yesterday was Balfour Day. Spent a lot of time on it. November the 2nd of 1917, the Balfour Declaration, and of course, yesterday, the 100th commemoration. Uh, tell me, aside from the Balfour recognition uh, of how important the day was, what else did the uh, Prime Minister accomplish in the United Kingdom? Did what? What did, he, cut 
What did the prime minister accomplish? He, he met with the prime minister, correct? Uh, prime Minister Netanyahu met with the Prime Minister of Great Britain, Mrs. May, who spoke out very strongly, unapologetically, and refusing the the demands of uh, Abbas and others that that they condemn or express regret and apologize for the um, Balfour. What was originally the Balfour letter? It was a letter sent to, to Rothschild, who was a leader of the Jewish community, right. Zionist leader in Great Britain. It later. I think by Weitzman initially, the Balfour Declaration, it was embodied. Malcolm, we're, those, having, we're having a lot of trouble with your phone line. For those it's... who said that it had no legal standing, it was embodied in the League of Nations Charter, in the in the preamble, it was embodied in the San Remo agreements and the World War One. President Wilson, President Harding all came out for it. It was the Fish Lodge um, a resolution which passed unanimously in the House and Senate, which endorsed it, uh, and I had the privilege to speak to the senior uh, Congressman Fish in his 90s, and he talked to me about the whole process and about how you know they fought for it. Always resented the fact that Balfour and America got credit for it, and uh, and if you you look at the language. And this is very important because nobody knows today. Our kids don't know what the Balfour Declaration is. It didn't create the state of Israel, but it was a critical um, milestone, if nothing else, but to empower and, and encourage the Jewish community at that time, which, remember, after the pogroms, after all of the terrible things, um, uh, comes out of World War One. They were trying to get him as an ally, especially to get Russian Jews and American Jews to back the war effort. Uh, so they had their own agendas. And, and after the war, the Sykes-Picot, they cut up the world. And the Arab states they negotiated with, and they never asked for Palestine. Palestine was never part of their negotiation. It says you should recognize the religious and civic rights, uh, the exact language, but not territorial rights of the, of the domestic population. And the, uh, the fact is that the reason you didn't have a state is because the Palestinians never got every opportunity that they had. They decided not to take advantage of it. And it was the Jews who built the institutions that allowed a state to be created. Right. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, one of the videos that we've been playing the audio from uh, here over the last couple of days uh, describes what you just described earlier in this segment about all the different countries, including the U.S., and leaders of different countries that recognized Palestine as a homeland for the Jewish people. The, the, what they consider to be the reason that the Balfour Declaration got all the hype and publicity is because that is the declaration that was adopted in 1922 by the League of Nations, the precursor to the UN, and therefore, because of that recognition, they claim that Balfour ended up being the most uh, prominent among all those. Well, because Britain had the mandate, had the legal international recognized authority to do it, number one. Number two, uh, after the war, number two, it was 51 countries endorsed it when right. it became part of the League of Nations. You know, Japan had issued a declaration earlier, the Kaiser 20 years earlier, uh, issued a proclamation. Many presidents in the United States, going back to Adams even earlier, uh, all spoke about a uh, Jewish homeland and Jewish Jewish state. Again, unfortunately, nobody teaches these things to, to our kids or to kids generally. Yeah, well, let's not, let's not say nobody. My kid came home knowing in seventh grade what Balfour was. So. But, no, I didn't say just Balfour, about the history of right. the commitments and right. how how the state came into being, not because of Balfour, but what why that was one of the watershed events. Right. Was, and, we, and we also have to be very careful as those who are members of the you know, community of faith, 
because we don't we, we don't want to give the impression that it was in fact Balfour or one of those statements that gave us the right to Israel. Well, that's why they call him the Lord. We are, we are very good. <laughs> we are actually, and he said that the Lord Rothschild. So there may, there may have been a debate there about who was the real Lord. Um, but we have to remember, especially in these partios that we're in right now, it's it's pretty interesting that Balfour Day ends up mm-hmm. at this time of year. We have, right. to, we have to remember the ultimate right we have. Uh, to the land. Uh, hopefully this conversation does, in fact, propel people to uh, encourage their children and grandchildren to learn more and more about this, because the more education and information we have, the better off we are uh, in future generations, that's for sure. Um, all right, so we talked about the uh, uh, the um, refusal of Prime Minister May to apologize, as you just described. Sounds like a successful meeting between the two leaders. Anything about Iran? Did the Prime Minister of Netanyahu encourage her one way or the other regarding Iran? Uh, yes, they talked a great deal about Iran, as he does with everybody, because uh, we're seeing Iran continuing their activities, and most disturbing this week, the visit of Putin to Tehran, where he met with Khamenei, and they talked about the strategic partnership of, of Russia and Iran. Uh, also, I think Aliyev of, uh, of Azerbaijan was there. The... Um, uh, there, are, there were m- many developments, uh, including the United States acknowledged that Rouhani, the president, when he visited uh, the uh, minister, when he visited um, the United States, uh, President Rouhani uh, refused a meeting, the opportunity for a meeting with the president. Mm. And uh, the Iranian said at first there was silence, and now the administration acknowledged, uh, I think, that they, were, they had offered a high-level meeting during the GA, which would have been disappointing. Um, and the, the, the not only were, was Putin there, but the heads of the militaries of Iran and Russia met to talk about joint efforts. And this was the last day of the Air Force drills. <laughs> the name of it was Death Defying Defenders of Eliati Sanctuary 7. By the time they said the name, this, the whole thing was over. <laughs> over. But, but, they, but they used all sorts of planes in, in defense of an area, which is near where the uh, bases are, but including... Uh, not only F-5s and F-7s and Sukhois and uh, other uh, fighter and fighter bombers, B-29, Boeing 707s and 747s were used. Cargo planes were involved in the war game. So all of their efforts to say that Boeing is purely uh, for domestic purposes, when we know that Iran Air and Iran Airlines are used to ferry troops to the to Syria, etc., here you see where the Boeing planes are used directly in the military exercise announced by the Iranians so that the deal with Boeing should not take place. Congress should use this as, as clear evidence about why it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, when, when Putin visits Tehran... Uh, they know, meaning in Tehran, they know that he has had multiple meetings that we keep speaking about with Prime Minister Netanyahu, right? So what happens when Israel comes up? And I know you can only conjecture here, but I mean, when Israel when Israel comes up, is he, I, I would hope that he's not revealing strategies that he discusses with Prime Minister Netanyahu. I, I, I don't know if Putin is, you know, trustworthy, you know, to, to not do that. Like, what happens when the topic of Israel comes up at a meeting like that? I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I do know that uh, uh, Netanyahu met this week with the defense minister of Russia, uh, uh, Shoigu, and made clear that we're not going to let it, Israel will not let Iran get entrenched on the border. And the expectations they were disappointed in the U.S.-Russian agreements. And I'm sure that the issue of the sanctions and other actions uh, take, uh, do take place. I'm hopeful that Putin at least. Uh, 
stands by some of his public commitments to, to Israel and his statements. But he, he's a pragmatist. He'll go with whatever suits his purposes. That's his modus vivendi. That's how he operates and how he's able to do all the things that he is doing with a shoestring budget. They said that they signed a $20 billion deal in energy and other things. Neither country has the financial resources today, and they're, they're all punching way above their weight because of the failure of the, of the West and others to, to stand up to it, to, to make demands to uh, the sanctions that we have on them are crippling and do have an impact, and we have to do much more, and we have sanctions on Russia as well. And this is... Uh, uh, you know the, that Putin and Iran and, and others are today dividing up the future or determining the future of Syria and other countries is not acceptable. It's unbelievable. Um, <clears throat> by the way, true or false that the Prime Minister of Israel asked the President of the United States to uh, uh, to allow Jonathan Pollard to make Aliyah? I would say that uh, there is certainly. A lot of smoke, so there's usually fire. Hmm, interesting. Were you surprised that in the U.K., only 11% of the people in a poll said they support a boycott of Israel? Uh, no, because that has been generally the trend uh, for uh, for a while, and I wish the United Nations would, would take a look at it. By the way, you know, Wisconsin and, uh, and Maryland just recently became, uh, I think, the 23rd, 24th states to, to adopt anti-BDS legislation. Many right. more are... Uh, still in the works, but at the same time as uh, you you saw that. And by the way, Palestinians are against the BDS and, and the, the boycott, but the United Nations Human Rights Council is compiling this dossier, and we just saw a case where Bezek, which is, you know, the... the um, telecommunications company of Israel, uh, and uh, that it was the successor to the original phone company of, of Israel, and they do cellular and internet and cable and everything else, but to also to people who live in the, in the West Bank. It's not military, it's not anything, it's just a uh, service. And now the Human Rights Council wrote to the CEO saying that if it doesn't cease operations in the West Bank, it faces uh, a designation um, in as a human rights abuser, and this is, I mean, this is so outrageous to <laughs> see the Human Rights Council now fostering these, you know, this blacklist that we've talked about. Um, we'll know soon whether how far this is going to go or what the next step will be, but it's really uh, outrageous. Absolutely crazy. Uh, and what about the poll that sixty-eight percent of Israelis feel there should be Jewish prayer on the Temple Mount? Surprisingly high, or not? No, I'm not sure many of them really understand what the difficulties. It's not a halachic question here. This is more of a political question. Yeah, but many of them and might think that it's an inciting, you know, an insightful uh, act because they know that it's not an insightful well, act. That's that's good. exactly right. That is the point. That and what I was saying is that that this is not a judgment on. Um, you know, on the halachic issues, people, everybody has to go to their rabbi to decide. But the idea that the Temple Mount has to remain in Israeli control under uh, Jewish uh, Jewish government, because we know that the rights of Jews will be denied. We know that, that uh, we have to reassert the identification at a time when UNESCO and others are trying to take it away. And again, if you read the Parshas, you get exactly the deed to all of these places and the... Um, and the, all of the new excavations, which underscore our claim all the time, that the um, and the international community's continued efforts and, and refusal to recognize, and you know, the, some of the 
declarations that come out about it, completely ignoring 3,800 years of history, Jewish history, and 2,000 years of Christian history. So I take all these things very seriously, that that, uh, the declaration is also a message to their own government about what they would like to see happen. Yeah. Uh, can you go back to the tunnels for a moment? So the nine terrorists were killed this week, right? They were discovered inside the tunnel and and, uh, and they were killed. And then you went ahead earlier in this conversation and said that Israel was, uh, you know, creating some type of new, what sounded like an underground defense system against these tunnels, correct? Yes. And eventually uh, they're going to, I guess, you know, once this is completed, they'll literally will have put a, complete stop to the ability of the enemy to dig those tunnels from Gaza, correct? That is the goal, but, uh, you know, it's very expensive, it's very painstaking, so it's only part of it, so there's still areas where they can, and they try all the time. Uh, I think there are 11 tunnels, they believe now, that have been dug uh, up to the border or under the border already, and, you know, that when Israel put up barriers so they go underneath those barriers, uh, this has a detection system now to to tell when they are, and also to prevent it, as I said, it pours liquid concrete um, into any tunnel that is as it's being built. The, um, uh, the and you know this comes as Fatah and Hamas are reaching an accord, reaching a, an understanding, and you know how much money is diverted that supposedly should be going to the social and economic needs of the people. So when they keep demanding and saying, you know, it's Israel, take a look at how they spend their money and, and how they divert resources to these, uh, to these terrible uh, intentions of tunnels, which are only for terror purposes. And the, uh, uh, you know, that, that the turnover of the, of the crossing points to the PA shouldn't get too carried away. This is, they're not giving up their weapons. They're not giving up their intent. Uh, you know, I'm talking about Hamas. And, and when you see the statements by Abbas, uh, this week, there's no source of comfort there either. Yeah, that's for sure. And finally up North, the, the, um, uh, the, the village, the Druze village that was hit, I assume by Syrian forces, I, I, I would guess. I mean, you'll tell me if I'm wrong. This was in retaliation for the Israeli airstrike earlier in the week against the the Syrian factory, or unrelated. So they said that this was uh, a, a, some of the military commentators uh, said that it was a strike back against uh, against Israel for the initial attack. But we've seen uh, this fire, and as you know, the last time I described it here, that the, it was concluded that it was intentional. It wasn't errant fire because there was no ongoing exchanges in that area. We don't know who was responsible, but uh, Hezbollah generally, whether but whether came, the orders came on high or it was lower level, uh, and Israel uh, struck back as it must because it and, and it hit um, an arms depot, uh, copper factory, I think. Uh, the, the, Israel has to respond right away because the message has to be clear. There can be no gray areas when you're dealing with terrorists or people like Hamas or Iran. They have to understand, and it has to be a painful response so that the next time they think about it, they'll think not only twice but 20 times before they carry out an attack. No question about that. Are you voting on Election Day? What I miss an election. You don't miss those, do you? I do not. I wish people around the country, especially from our community, would understand the importance of it, especially during quote-unquote off years. Uh, everybody keep in mind. And even if you live in a district where there is no hot race, as there are several in, in New York, local races, but, you know, people judge for the next election. Yep. 
they look at who turns out and who doesn't turn out. And what would our predecessors say, Malcolm? Grandparents and great-grandparents who never experienced the right to vote till they got to the shores of the United States. They would encourage all of us to get out there and vote. So where's Roosevelt on the ballot? Yeah. And <laughs> or, any, or any other Democrat. But um, I think that, uh, you know, it, 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 while it, the party doesn't matter so much in New York, you have also a lot of new parties that individual candidates are running under. So people should be careful when they go in to vote to, you know, look at the ballots and to be careful how they fill them in so their vote counts. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Stay safe out there. After all, this is New York. <laughs> and uh, we will speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Have a good job. And I say that only slightly tongue-in-cheek, everybody. New York, of course, hit by the terror attack this week. We pray for those families internationally who were directly affected by losing loved ones to this murderer this terrorist murderer and of course we pray for the uh, for the health and speedy recovery of those who are injured in the attack and yes let us all stay safe out there and pray for each other's safety at all times